This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast this week. Kyle, can you line up what we're going to talk about? Yeah, so we're going to discuss why agents focus more on how much you can pay rather than how little you can pay and just the thought process around that. Yeah, I think it's it's really common um, for people that are first exposed to infinite banking or, you know, cash value life insurance in general. Well, how how small can I go with this policy? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of a continuation of the thought process of paying as little as possible and getting sure. the most benefit, you know, like with term insurance, you, yep. you shop for the cheapest term insurance, and then you want as much death benefit as that will possibly provide you. And for starters, I think that's just a continuation of how, how small can the premiums be? I think it's a continuation of that thought process. And it's a, it's having a scarcity mindset as well. I mean, I think it's important to know what the minimum is you can pay. And, you know, relative to your total amount of premium, it's pretty awesome if, you know, you can pay a lot less and in times when it calls for that. When cash flow is, is yeah. tight. Which is how we design policy. I mean, if that, if your situation calls for the flexibility of that, I mean, we definitely do what we can to make it as flexible as possible using the right companies that suit that need for you. Mm-hmm. So, but how are you ever going to get where you want to go by just paying in, you know, peanuts. I mean, that, that's not going to do anything for you. Exactly. And, and just to, to go with um, your comment about the right companies and stuff, how we help you guys with that is by explaining the PUA flexibility with each company. And can you pay in multiple times per year into the PUA rider? Does it have to be one time a year? What's the bare minimum that you can pay into it? Mm-hmm. Is there a catch-up provision? in it okay all those things are important when when policy flexibility is is a high need for you guys sure i mean it's important at all times but it's even more important in that aspect and then you know to go along with the peanuts thing it's like um okay look at your look at your income and what it is say say it's let's just say a hundred thousand a year and we design a policy for you and it's it's ultra small, okay? 3,000. 3,000, maybe even smaller than that. We'll just say in 10 years, the projected cash value on this thing is like $5,000. Does that make any sense? No. I mean, that is not giving you access to capital. No. And that... In that time, you would have made $500,000, and we built you a policy that you now, after 10 years, have $5,000. What good is that going to do? And what if it's even bigger? What if it's $15,000? That still ain't jack for what you're, what you're doing. We, I mean, that needs to be relative, and it needs to mean something to you as well. Like, if you're only paying in that $100,000, I mean, it depends on everybody's situation, but there is no, I mean, most people, $10,000 plus Absolutely. into a policy. Absolutely. But And the problem is, when... If you're just coming from this, coming out of a scarcity mindset, you're going to think, wow, I just caused myself a $10,000 expense every year. And yeah, 
it's not, you don't have access to all of it. We know that, but it's what we're going to build in the future. And you you need a place to put money. Is it worth it to put it in the bank when, you know, they're paying you point, what, 0.1% and inflation is probably 20% right now? <laughs> and, exactly. And and that's not to say you don't have access to all of it. You still have access to to more than half of it, likely. Um, and it's just like another thing that it comes from that we've seen is somebody got hyped up about this and they want to take action right away. But what they really need to do is stay pumped up about it, keep learning about it. Mm-hmm. And then one more month after they've consumed some more material, material um, whether that's reading blogs, listening to podcasts, maybe some YouTube videos, maybe the best thing you could do is watch Nelson's seminar on DVD. Um, then come back and be like, okay, I've got my head around this thing right now. I don't know everything, but I know that I need to get started and it needs to be, you know, it's not going to be peanuts anymore. And also check out the library. We have a podcast. I mean, we've done a lot of podcasts, over 80 of them. And we, you know, dive deep into all these different topics that we've run across people talking about likely things you have questions about. And I mean, most of our podcasts aren't longer than 15 minutes. They're pretty condensed and get to the point. So we've had people tell us that it's really helped them, you know, get through some of the mental hurdles that they've had and questions. So I definitely recommend you to do that. Yeah. And that is on purpose, by the way, Kyle and I don't like listening to fluff. So no. the more direct we can be about this, the the more beneficial we feel it is to you guys. Yeah. Your time. And you can find that a lot in the IBC world. The financial world is people, they do these hour plus long shows and there's not a lot of substance in it. You know, they tell you things are bad, things are good, but they don't tell you how they're bad or how they're good. Just, Hey, we know how to make them good and everybody else does it bad. So yeah, they put you in a fear mindset. Mm-hmm. So that way you're scared of everything else. Yeah. Like, oh, well I can go to this person because they know exactly what they're doing. But yet in their podcast, they fail to give like any decisive information, which sure. obviously you can't pinpoint for each individual in your podcast, but you can give information so they know the right questions to ask and what sure. to look for and things like that, which is what we're trying to do with our podcast. And that's just going to be the best thing for you as you know a future client for somebody is knowing the right questions to ask, because we can't always tell what exactly you need to know if you don't tell us what you don't know and have questions over. And that is because it takes a long time to wrap your head around this and we can't spend 10 hours on a Zoom call or phone call with everybody. I mean, it's just not very practical to help you understand it. And then we have to walk through, well, what's the right type of policy and stuff? Mm -hmm. And yeah, so you got to do some homework on your own and read about this, learn about this. Um you know, don't just don't just read one book, listen to one podcast, and be like, "Oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever!" Yeah, and I am gonna pay five hundred dollars this year in <laughs> my policy. Or you know, we've had it happen where you know people come so pumped up, and that's great, but they've heard um, IBC put in a light of where you know it's too good to be true. It's actually not what they're saying it is and what they thought it was, and they want to pay all this money, and then it's like, oh, this isn't exactly how it works. I I have to pay the insurance company interest or just things along those lines. Like you got to be careful what you're consuming because there are a lot of people out there, even um, in the practitioner world that overhype what it actually is and does. Yeah. Yeah. Look out for people that tell you 
that I am making you debt free a lot faster than you know what I could be with the traditional system because they're probably not telling you or you don't understand fully what is actually happening. And maybe that's something we need to cover in a podcast because that's one of like a hook point for people who are trying to sell IBC is we'll get out of debt faster. It's like, okay, you could potentially get out of some bad debt, whether it be credit card, you know, whatever it is, with high consumer interest rates. Debt. Yeah, any type of consumer debt and move it to a life insurance policy, which you're probably going to be paying a higher interest rate than what you can get right now. So that's that's a negative. Positive is you own and control that debt. So, well, you control how you pay it back. So, I mean, it's not going to be, you know, set payments and stuff like that. So that is worth a lot to people. Hassle is going to be low. You're going to have hassle-free, whatever. But could you be saving thousands of dollars by traditional financing? Potentially. Yeah. I mean, in... I don't know, in my experience, I guess, people with a lot of consumer debt, they probably can't get loans cheaper than what they can from a policy because there's a reason why they have a lot of consumer debt. True. <laughs> um, but I mean that it just is what it is. But yeah, like that that is that is a fallacy, I think, that that is, you know, the getting out of debt faster. I think that is a big fallacy that the infinite banking world especially has got to stop. Mm-hmm. proliferating because that that's a false narrative it's definitely a tool that can be used to help you move debt to a more favorable place but like just like oh i'm debt free you know you're not yeah explain it for what it is don't don't try to you know wrap it up and present it as a present that it isn't i mean yeah you'll see people oh i paid my house off you know in 10 years compared to 30 years but with my or IBC. three years yeah. something just insane well it's and, like first of all and that's... then they <laughs> the, the next claim is I'm debt free. Yeah. No, it's in your policy. And I mean, pretty hard to pass up that two to 3% 30 year mortgage. That's a great inflation hedge. It's huge. I mean, so we were just talking about that how um, when you borrow a third party lender's money and a crazy year like this happens, this last year that happened, okay? Things appreciated 20 to 35% in our area for assets. Um, not only did you lock in the amount of money that you financed on that asset mm-hmm. with a third-party company for a very low interest rate, you were the one that benefited from the appreciation on the entire property, say a $750,000 property, even though maybe you only put down $50,000 or $100,000. And now the dollar is much weaker than when you purchased that property with that loan of say you say it was 700,000. Mm-hmm. Now you're using cheaper dollars to pay off that loan. I mean, it makes sense to me. <laughs> I mean, well, like we've said hundreds of times, we understand the thought of the banking system, how it works. Like it's pretty messed up. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I do not agree or disagree with that a bit. But that's the game that's being played and everybody's going to get ahead from it. I am not going to miss out on that. Well, another thing, like if you want to change, if you want to actually, actually take change or create change, like you got to have some money. <laughs> money talks in this world. So if you don't create that cash flow to where you can make a difference, like you're not even, your $3,000 a year policy is not going to stop central banking. No. So, And if you don't create that extra cash flow in your life, to create a bigger policy, 
how long is it going to take you? Instead of, you know, creating a bigger policy to finance more things in your life, taking 10 years, maybe it takes 50 years because you didn't use leverage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's very steep, though, the amount of time, um, the increase in time that it's going to take you. I, mm-hmm. I can tell you that. I mean, like with our farming business, there's, you know, six digits of cash flow that's, or more going through. And we definitely are like, we see the benefit of creating a system where we can run all that cash flow if we want to through that policy and being able to hold all of that, but also, and still using it. I mean, we're still using it. I used mine for my down payment last year. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're just putting it here and never using it. We're still using it. We're just not being beholden to this is the only thing that I can use money for, even though I have created a large sum of capital to use. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's being flexible. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, using the best tools that are available to you right now and understanding how to use them, how they work. Understand how central banking works. Understand how the banking process works. Understand the terms of using third-party lenders. Understand life insurance, how that works. Then from your understanding of it, I mean, you can make the right choice. You don't need us telling you what you need to do or somebody else. Exactly. I mean, here's a simple example. Um, Take a 30-year mortgage right now. We'll just say that you could get a loan at 3% for whatever dollar amount. So Kyle and I see that tool available. We're going to take advantage of that. A lot of people in the IBC world are saying, you know, that's criminal. Look at how much principal you're going to pay. Let's just call it 100000 over 30 years. Mm-hmm. And how much interest you're going to pay. We'll call that number 200000 So 300000 total. Made that up. Okay. Now they're going to say, well, that's evil. You need to put all that policy or that outside debt into your policy. Well, if your policy loan interest rate is 5% and you amortize that out over 30 years, just like they did with the home, the mortgage, would you believe that you're going to pay more interest to the life insurance company than you would have the third party uh, lender? Now, I realize you're not supporting the central banking system and you could pay that loan off sooner once it's in your policy and that's going to benefit you. But that's ultimately what's happening. Sure. Yeah. No, I agree. That's something that doesn't get talked about in the, like a lot of truth. The truth doesn't get out, I guess, or shed on as, um, as that. It's just always, you know, roses and stuff using your policy you know, for everything. That's the only way to do it. Yeah, I mean, and it feels like we're bashing on uh, the policies right now, which I'm not trying to do, but I guess more fallacies that I see in the, the IBC world. You know, if you're, the volume of interest that you pay to the life insurance company is more than you would have paid to a third-party lender, what was better for you? Mm-hmm. It probably wasn't the life insurance policy. Now there's other things that come into it. I mean, flexibility and all that stuff, but we're just saying, look at the tools available and use the ones that are in your best interest. And we're not saying in that instance to not use your policy, even though it might cost more. I mean, maybe for everything that you believe in and for that situation and time, 
maybe that does make the most sense for you. And there is nothing wrong with that at all. But just be aware there's other options and there's nothing wrong with you using that option either. 100%. Some people want to be debt-free as fast as possible and maybe using the policy loan and, and things helps them get there. Yeah. To that point quicker. And that's fine if you want to be debt-free. We're not going to tell you, you know, either way. We think debt's an awesome tool to use to create wealth. Yeah. But, but some people just aren't wired, wired for it. And that is completely fine. And there are, you know, successful people that don't have much debt, you know, either. So there's yep. not just one way to go about it. Yep. But ultimately, you can't use the policy loan if you don't create a policy yep. that's big enough for your financial needs. I Sizable, yeah. I mean, you could use a policy loan, but it'd be a fraction of what your, your need would be. Sure. I'm not trying to say that if you only have $5,000 of cash value, you can't borrow from it. Not saying that at all. Just saying it's it's going to be such a small fraction of what you need. It's going to be hard to ever finance something that you need to finance in your life. Yeah. Vehicle, home, business, whatever. Absolutely. So, okay. That's all I got for this episode. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, I think so. Thanks, guys, for tuning in this week. And we'll be back with a new podcast next week. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.